0: Ha, <laughs> ha, <laughs> Thanks for that. Yeah. All right. Good evening. good evening. Good to see you guys here with us this evening. Uh, if you got your Bibles, turn to First Timothy chapter six, and we come to the last chapter in our study. And if you've not been with us, uh, what we do is we start at uh, we, we started I think about seven months ago on First Timothy chapter one verse one, and we just work our way through books, preaching them one, two, three verses at a time. And seven months, and we've worked our way to the last chapter, and here in chapter 6, Paul's wrapping things up. This is kind of some final issues he wants to talk about in First Timothy. This would almost be a postscript, a P.S. Uh, you know, P.S., here's some other things I want to mention to you, the church, Timothy. Uh, so he gives us a, a list of different things, and it's almost like just a, uh, a catch-all. He's just throwing all kinds of things at us, one at, at a, after another. And these two verses that he starts with, and I think it's a big issue in the church at, that Timothy's at, and I think it's a big issue in a lot of churches, because this, is, this issue is brought up in First Timothy, Titus, Ephesians, Colossians, and First Peter. So these two verses are pretty important stuff. Uh, so we're going to look at tonight, very simple, very practical, very important, how to be a Christian at your workplace, I almost titled it, Witnessing in the Workplace. Uh, I, I'm going to say it here in a, few, in, a little, in a few minutes, we spend most of our life working. So our greatest witness will be where we spend the most of our time. So I want to show you tonight how Timothy, or how Paul says, to be a Christian at work. This is God wants us to be a Christian everywhere, not just at church on Sunday, not just with our families at, at, when we're at home, but he wants us to be a Christian at all times, especially when we're at work. So tonight, how to be a Christian at work. So let's stand together in honor of the reading of the Word of God. And I want to uh, read to you verses 1 and 2. And I I think this is good for uh, our church. I think this is good for our young people. I've I've got my son sitting right there. I think he needs to hear how to be a Christian at work. I think we're living in an age and a culture today where uh, the young people don't know how to work. And we need to know how God expects us, commands us, even demands us to, to work. We need to be workers. And I think Christians ought to be the best workers in the entire world. Places of business, they ought to be looking for Christians to hire, not because they're Christians, but because they're the best workers. So God's going to show us that tonight. And starting in verse 1, I'll read it to you. Verse 1 Let as many servants as are under the yoke count their own masters worthy of all honor, let the name of God and his doctrine be not blasphemed. And they that have believing masters, let them not despise them because they are brethren but rather do them service because they are faithful and beloved partakers of the benefit. These things teach and exhort. So tonight, everything that we will preach tonight and we'll talk about will come directly out of these two verses. So let's pray together and then we'll study this. Father, I thank you that you've given us your word that gives us all things pertaining to life and to godliness, that this isn't just some... High in the sky thing where we get to talk about heaven and salvation but these are very practical issues uh, that you tell us you show us you even motivate us and command us to to be christians everywhere and even in the workplace in our homes everywhere we go we should make an impact and I, i pray that these verses will show us that teach us that tonight and i pray that by your spirit that you will god make these these verses very clear To me, to to everyone in this room, and those who will be watching online, please God, teach us about how to work. Uh, I I think we need a a biblical understanding of work, uh, of the work ethic. So God, help us to be Christians in the workplace. And God, bless this time of study tonight, please. And we ask and pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. It's been said that how we spend our days is how we spend our lives. How we spend our days is how we spend our lives. And if that is true, and I think it is true, then we will spend most of our life working. Uh, I think we'll give the best hours of our day. Right in the middle of the day, the best hours with the the most sunlight. And we'll give that time to work. We'll give the best years of our life. You know that the strongest years of your life, you'll spend that working. You're going to spend the most of your life, I think it's over 90,000 hours in your life, will be spent working. Over one third of your life will be spent working. So we, we need to make sure that we're doing that. If we're going to have that much time on the in working, we need to make sure we're doing it right. And I've said that we're living in an age of of people who don't want to work. You can't hire people anymore. The, everywhere you go and, and drive by a sign, I don't care if it's a restaurant or a clothing store or wherever it is, it's hiring, 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 hiring. Everybody is trying to hire and nobody wants to work. Seven out of ten people don't like their job. Many won't work. Uh, again, they're begging people to work and they won't. I read a quote this week that said manual labor. Most people in our generation think manual labor is the name of the president of, of Mexico. Uh, they just, they're not willing to work. we, we have, That's what the age we're living in. Uh, and and uh, others that do work may be lazy at work and do, do poor work. And we're told that, that work is evil and to avoid work at all costs. That's what our culture is telling our children. But I want you to know that work isn't evil. Work is a a great thing. We We were created to work. Adam and Eve were farmers before the fall. And when we go to heaven, we're going to have jobs to do. We're going to serve throughout all eternity working for God. Our God is a working God. The Bible opens up with God working for six days and resting on the seventh. God is a worker. He made us to be workers. So working is a good thing. So we're going to spend one third of our life, most of our life, working, and I believe that's where God expects us to make the biggest difference, to be the greatest witness. This is where we ought to stand out the most. Our workplace ought to be our mission field. Christians should be the very best of of the workers in all the world in whatever job we do. We ought to be the best workers and and do it all for God. God. And that's what Paul's dealing with here. That's why it's so important to Paul. Because he knows then they probably spend even more of their life working. And he says there in verse 1, let as many servants. I'm going to give you two terms here, servants and masters. Uh, you, you could say the term slave and master. Right? Or the words in the Greek would be do loss and despot. That, that's the, what he's talking about there. That's the terms that they used to describe employer and employee. They called it master and they called it slave. That's the system that they had. It wasn't slavery like we had in the early days of America. That's not what they had. They had a a basic labor where you'd be a day laborer, work one day at a time and get a wage for that day. Or you could actually be a domestic servant and work for somebody your entire life. Or you work for yourself. But your terms were again master and slave, employer and employee. That's what he's talking about here. So there's a problem in the church between masters and slaves, employers and employees. A lot of slaves were getting saved in the church at this time. And that's what happened then. A lot of the poor, the small, the lowly people were getting saved. So you had slaves, servants, employees coming into the church getting saved. And Paul had to teach them how to go back out into the workforce and be Christians as they worked. That was the issue. So he's he's going to tell us here, and it's all focused on the employee, the the servant, the slave, how to be a Christian at work. I almost titled the sermon, because it says there, let as many servants that are under the yoke, or slaves or employees that have a job under their employer. That's the way it could read. I almost titled the sermon, what to do if the yoke's on you. (laughs) Because a yoke meant a job. That there would be a yoke put on your shoulders to do a job. Your master would put the yoke on you, and that would be the job that you would perform. So he's saying here, as many as have a yoke on their neck for their master, here's how you work for them. Here's how to be a Christian on the workforce. And I'm going to say this repeatedly, already two or three times, the best of the best workers in all the world ought to be Christians. Not doing it for money, not doing it for their boss, but doing it, he'll say, here for Christ and his gospel. That's our motivation. That's why we work. So let's look at this. I want to show you two points, and it's very simple, very easy. I'm almost, almost embarrassed at how easy this passage is, but you know what? It's so overlooked. There's a lot of Christians that don't know how to be Christians in the workforce. So two very simple, easy verses, how to be a Christian at work. Number one, he's going to show us in verse one, working for an unbelieving boss. And then you see there in verse two, he'll say working for a believing boss. I think most of us in our workplace, we would work for an unbelieving boss. Other than my job as a pastor, I've had other jobs prior to being a pastor, and every single job that I had, I worked for an unbelieving boss. Some of those jobs I was unbelieving myself, but I've always had an unbelieving boss. So that's the first point, working for an unbelieving boss. If your boss is not a believer, has not put his faith in Jesus Christ, then how do you work for that person as a Christian? Verse 1, let as many servants as are under the yoke count their own masters worthy of all honor. That the name of God and his doctrine be not blasphemed. He says, let as many servants that are under the yoke, which is let all employees with a job. Everybody with a, a job is to regard or to consider their master. And I want to stop here. That It says, let as many servants as are under the yoke count their own masters This would be a phrase that would say the master that has been given to you. That God has called you to serve under a master. God has chosen to place you in some place. It's almost like the same phrase would be a husband as their own wife. God has chosen you a spouse. He's chosen you a workplace. And here's where He's chosen for you to work. And wherever it is you're working, you are to consider your master... We could say supervisor, boss, manager, employer. You consider that person, whoever it is. And some of y'all are thinking about somebody right now. Your boss is in your mind. Your, your supervisor. You say, Josh, who's your boss? I've got 150 bosses that come to church every Sunday. Who's, so This says your, your master, your, your supervisor, your, your boss, your manager, your employer. You should consider them, regard them, think about them, treat them. With all honor. Worthy of all honor, it says. Same word that we had in, in chapter 5, verse 3, where it says honor widows. And in chapter seven, verse 17 of chapter 5, to honor pastors. It's a term that would mean, we said you respect and, and you uh, take care of widows. And you respect and you honor your pastor. And now he's saying you respect and you honor and you esteem and you value Your boss. Your boss may be terrible. He may be the worst thing that anybody's ever seen. But we're not honoring the man. We're honoring the position. You honor your master. You esteem them. You value them. This is all bosses, even if they don't deserve it. Even if they're terrible. Their position as your boss, as your master, as your supervisor, demands that we who are under them show them honor. Show them respect. Reverence them. And it's obvious here that some weren't honoring their bosses. There's some Christians that don't have a good work ethic. There's some Christians that are lazy, worthless, disrespectful on the job. And when they go in there and they don't act like Christians, and they don't work like Christians, and they don't honor their bosses, and they don't respect them and obey them and submit to them, look what they do. They blaspheme the name of God and His gospel. By how you work, you can blaspheme the name of God that you serve. That's what it says here in verse 1b. That the name of God and his doctrine, his gospel, would be not blasphemed. He's saying here your job is the arena that God has given you to live out your Christianity. That God has put you there and everybody that knows you're a Christian will be watching every move that you make. They'll watch how you sweep floors. They'll watch how you wash dishes. They'll, they'll watch when you you when you clock in and, and when you clock out. And Are you taking things and are you being lazy on the job? Disrespectful to the boss. They're watching you. All eyes are on you like you're the lone one in the arena. And they're saying let's see how the Christian acts and if you don't work like you should and you don't honor your boss like you should they're going to look at you and say what kind of Christian is that what kind of God does he serve that he's he's lazy that he's disrespectful that he doesn't honor the boss that he's showing up late and he's leaving early and he's doing things on the job that he shouldn't be doing and he's 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 just being lazy with his time when he should be working he's on his phone or doing something else. And when you don't work like you ought to work, you don't honor your boss like you ought to honor your boss, you blaspheme. The name of God and His Gospel. I'm going to say it again. God places you in that workplace. Called you to where you work. And if you're a Christian in that workplace, your boss and everybody else is watching every move that you make. I said it this morning, like putting you in bullet park and thousands of people watching you work. Screaming and hollering, seeing everything that you do. That's the arena God has given you, wherever it is. And people are watching you. People are paying attention to what you do. How we work will speak volumes to our God and His gospel. How we work reflects on our God. How we work reflects on what the Gospel does in a heart. If we're saying the Gospel is powerful and life-changing and life-moving, then it ought to show in the most obvious of places, I said it this morning, with your family and at your job. If the Gospel doesn't change you on the job, it's not really changed you. So when you go into your workplace and you're living like everybody else and doing what everybody else does, you're showing them a Gospel that doesn't change. If you're lazy and a terrible worker. If unbelievers work better than you do. It looks terrible on your God and your gospel. But if you work hard and you give your your best work. It makes God and his gospel look beautiful. And attractive. And people want to know more about it. So you say how can I honor an unbelieving boss? In what ways can I do that? I want you to turn with me to Titus. Which is just a few pages over. You go First Timothy, Second Timothy, and then you go to Titus. It's very easy. So you just, for me, I think it's two pages that I had to turn over. So I want to show you, just in practical ways, how you can honor your master. Okay? How you can honor your boss. How you can honor your employer. Titus chapter 2. Paul dealing with the same thing. In verse 9, he says this. Exhort servants. To be obedient under their masters. Number one, how can you honor your master? An unbelieving master? By being obedient. Doing what they tell you to do. That's about as simple as it gets. I tell my kids that they have one job and one job only. And they say, okay, what is it? Do whatever me and your mom tell you to do. If we tell you to do it, you do it. You you honor, you obey your parents. And I want to teach my kids that at home if they will honor and obey their parents, then when they get out of the house and they go to work, then it's just natural honor and obey your boss. Do what you're told. Told to clock in at a time? Clock in at a time. Told to leave at a time? Leave at that time. Whatever your boss tells you to do, you do it. Our culture could hear more of that. Second, it doesn't just keep going, exhort servants to be obedient under their own masters and to please them well in all things. I, I like that, work with all your heart. Colossians 3.23 would say, we don't even work for our boss. We work for a higher authority, which is the God that we serve. So if we're working every day as unto God with all of our heart, giving all of our, our, our effort, then we'll easily please our boss let's keep going it says so you work with you obey your 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 master you work with all your heart as under the lord you work hard all the time i'm going to keep going here it says and to please them well in all things and not answering again i like that don't talk back (laughs) that's what that is don't talk back don't complain i wish my kids would learn that don't don't talk back don't complain. I tell my kids that when they go play basketball. If your coach tells you to do something, I don't want to see you your complaint. I don't want to hear it from your lips. I don't want to see it on your face. Yeah. Don't talk back. And then it says not purloining. <laughs> you know what that means? Yeah. Not pilfering around. Don't be lazy. Don't be doing a little thing here and a little thing there. And, and do the work that you're told to do. I'm going to keep going. Not purloining, but showing all good fidelity. Be faithful. That you may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior in all things. That you'll make the doctrine. He's already said this in 1st Timothy. The gospel and God beautiful by how you work at your job. That's good. So our motivation. You guys can go back to First Timothy. Our motivation. And I think our workplace is a sacred job no matter what it is you do. They try to. They've always tried to separate between a secular job, which is something you do out in the world, and a sacred job, which is something you, you do in the church. A, a secular service and a, a sacred service. I think all the work that we do, whether it's in the church or outside the church, is a sacred job no matter what it is you do. Whether it's preaching behind a pulpit or digging a ditch out on the roadway, you are doing a work as unto God in a sacred way. And our motivation for that work, again, is it money? It isn't promotion. It is for Christ. I want to ask you to turn one more place. Ephesians 6. Galatians, Ephesians. It's right there close. Paul's still dealing with this. I think he wrote this four years before he wrote 1 Timothy. And here he's saying... He already said it in verse 1. And I'll I'll, I'll read it. You guys ain't going nowhere. Verse 1. Children, obey your parents. (laughs) In the Lord, for this is right. So you're obeying your parents... As unto the Lord, which is a higher authority. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise. That it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live long on the earth. And you fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in nurture and admonition of the Lord. Verse 5, servants, slaves, do loss. Be obedient to them that are your despots. According to the flesh, and do it with fear and trembling, in singleness of heart with your motivation being as unto Christ. Verse 6, not with eye service as men pleasers. You know what that is? Don't do it only when they're watching. I remember when I was playing baseball in high school, uh, we would have to, on, on the snowy days, it was always early in February, you'd have to start practicing baseball, and we'd always be inside. And there wasn't a whole lot that we could do, so for some reason, our baseball coach would make us do push-ups and sit-ups for like an hour at a time. Just trying to find things to do. You can only hit for so long. So he's sitting there, and, and there's there's 18 of us on the baseball team, and we're all all around one room, and and we're doing pushups, and he had to watch every single one of us. One man watching 18 guys, and as soon as he looked at another one, I'd be down sitting there. <laughs> he turned back around. I'm I'm doing pushups again, and you only do it when he's watching, right? And everybody else is doing the same thing. And we're all trying to to catch him looking at somebody else, and always trying to get him, you know. And I think we do that in the job sometimes. We'll do our job while the boss is around and looking. But when he's not, we'll kind of slack off. And he says here, you don't do that with eye service. Only when they're looking. You work hard all the time because you're not doing it for the boss. You're doing it for God. He's always watching. Not as men pleasers, but as servants of Christ. Doing the will of God. Do it with all your heart. Verse 7, with goodwill, doing service as unto the Lord and not to men. Knowing that whatsoever good good thing any man does, the same shall be he receive of the Lord, whether he be bond or free. God will bless you no matter what. You do your job. Even if it's a terrible boss. Our motivation, again, isn't money. Culture says work for money. Culture says work for promotion. God says work for me. And not just... That is a motivation, but our reputation for work, it's not about us. Our work is a showcase of the gospel and of God. It's about the gospel. We can make a world of difference if we just act like Christians on the, on the job. I, I say this, and I might say it again later. Later. But I don't even think that we need a an evangelistic ministry. I, I, I love, I, you know, I, I we'll go knocking on doors and we'll we'll do evangelism ministries. But I don't. That's not necessary. If we would just be Christians at work, we would reach our people in the workplace. If we just be Christians at home, we'd reach our family. That should be our goal. I want my my whole family to be saved and at church with me. And I want all those that I I work with, my co-workers and, and my boss, if I can just reach them, I want them saved and in church. And if everybody in the church could reach their family and their workplace, we'd have a church that would be busting at the seams. That's evangelism at, at, at home and on the job. You say, well, Josh, what if our what if my boss stinks you don't know him he's mean or she demanding unfair he's a tyrant I don't like him and I would love to tell him to take this job <laughs> no and give it to somebody else <laughs> I can't say that you thought it shame on you I didn't say it though <laughs> shame on you what, what if I hate what if I can't say my boss he's awful My answer to you is, what if the worst boss you had, he's just the terrible thing, the better opportunity you had to share Christ? You have a terrible boss, and you still act like a Christian? It makes the gospel even more beautiful. If we have a great boss, and we love him, and it's easy to obey him, then it doesn't make the gospel look as beautiful. But if you have a tyrant for a boss who is mean and demanding and unfair, and you still honor Him, and you still act like a Christian, the gospel is looking more and more beautiful to everybody around you. When everybody else is looking at the boss and talking about Him behind His back and and wanting to find another job and trying to get rid of Him, and you're sitting there working as hard as you can, and you're doing everything you're supposed to, even for that tyrant of a boss, they're looking at you and they're saying, that gospel has really changed that heart. So I ask you this, just an application for those of you who work. What would your boss say about you? Would your boss say that you are the best worker wherever it is you are? Would your co-workers look at you and say, they outwork me by a hundred times. They make me want to work harder. Again, we can make a major difference in our world if we just went to our jobs and acted like Christians. I want my kids to do this. Gracie Bell's already asking, "Can Dad, can I get a part-time job this summer? And when she does, I'm going to say, whether you're, if your boss is an unbeliever, I don't care how bad he or she is, you're going to act like a Christian there. That goes for wherever you are. This could be at school. You understand that? In your studies, and I know there may be some students here watching this, you ought to, to work as hard as you can. You should honor your teachers. My teachers are terrible, Josh! Well, the worse your teacher is, the better opportunity you have. To show the gospel to be beautiful. If you're going to go into that school, be a, be a witness. At, not at your workplace, but at your school. No, don't cheat. Give your best effort. Do everything you can. Whatever you do, whether you're eating or drinking, do it all for the glory of God. Workplace, school, in whatever it is, we're doing it as unto God. If Gracie Bell goes and gets a job, I want you to work and be the best worker that they have. If you're playing on a sports team, you honor that coach. He may be the worst coach that's that's ever coached anything at all. But you honor that coach. God's put him over you in this season for a a certain time. And it's, it's your job to honor that coach. And to be a Christian on that team so that people see you. And it makes God and his gospel look beautiful. Don't you dare blaspheme the name of God and his gospel by how you work or or play, whatever it is you do. So that's for an unbelieving boss, and I think that's for most people here. That God gives you an unbelieving boss, and, and he's given you an unbelieving boss so that your life will be a witness to him or to her. God has put you where you are with an unbelieving boss so that you can reach that unbelieving boss or those unbelieving co-workers. So next, let's see what it looks like to work for a believing boss. Say that you have someone who's a Christian who is your boss. He says in verse 2, and it's very simple here, he just goes to the very next thing. There's only two types of bosses you can have. Do you understand that? Only two types of people in the entire world. They're either unbelieving or they're believing. There's no other types of boss you can have. You're either believing or you're unbelieving. I've said that a hundred times that when we die, there's a separation and there's only two categories. Believing and unbelieving. In our world today, it's believing and unbelieving. They're trying to put everybody in in all kinds of different categories, but there's only two. Believing and unbelieving. So our boss is believing and unbelieving. Here we have a believing boss. This is a contrast. It's it's the opposite. And they that have a believing boss. He says here, there's a, a don't and there's a do, okay? This is going to be simple. I'm going to get you guys out of here at least in the next 30 minutes. And you, you see that. He says at the start, don't do this. And then he'll say, and do this. So here's how you treat your, your believing boss. Don't do this. Watch. Don't. And they that have believing masters, despots, employers, don't despise them. That, that's, that's, that's what he says. Let them not despise them don't do that don't despise why in the world would somebody despise if you're a believer and you've got a believing boss why would you despise them what does that mean i had to look that word up what does it mean to despise and the word despise means don't think little of them don't devalue them don't put them down Don't bring them down, this is the best way to describe it, don't bring them down to your level and make them an equal with you, that we are both believers, we're on the same level and now I can treat you like I would anybody else. That you're bringing them down from the place of authority that they have and because of the commonhood that we have and we share as believers, I'm bringing them down, I'm devaluing them uh, and and despising them? You say, why would that happen? It it could easily happen that a slave, an employee, gets saved, goes back to his workplace working for a a saved employer, and they take advantage of him. They go to church together. They Maybe even the, the, the employee... He is a deacon in the church and the employer isn't. He almost feels like he's maybe even above the employer. Maybe they're like, we're brothers. We're on the same level. So if we're on the same level, and we're buddies, man. We're, we're, we're brothers in Christ. We hang out at church. We have fellowship together. We, have, we, we, we go to the fellowship hall and, and we, we have potluck dinners together. I've been to your house. I've eaten your wife's casserole. I've said it's good and it's not. <laughs> you know, I mean, we're 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 bodies. We're in church together. So because we're so buddy buddy and we're brothers and we're believers, I can show up late when I want. He ain't gonna do nothing. We're bodies. I can take a day off. I can slack off. I can leave early. I can sit over the side, and he come to me and say, "What are you doing?" And I can say, "Just, just read my Bible." You know how that is. Well, yeah. Make everybody else work. I'm studying over here. What are you doing? Why aren't you over there working? Praying. We're praying at work. He'd never fire me. We're brothers. He'd never cut my pay. He'd never punish me. The temptation is that you bring him down to your level and the fear is removed and you cross a line and you abuse the relationship that you have. It can happen. It was happening here. And he says, don't do that. Don't bring your boss, believing boss, down to your level. Keep him up there. And not only should you Honor an unbelieving boss, but you should even more so honor a believing boss. What's well, what it says? Let they that have believing masters, let them not despise them. Don't, don't, don't belittle them. Don't bring them down. Because, just because they're brethren. But rather, on the other hand, do this. See that? I told you there was a don't. Don't despise them just because they're a brother. Do, here we go. You ready for the do? Do them service. But rather, do this instead. Serve them. The Greek would be, not just serve, but serve them all the more. Go even further. Work even harder. Because they're a brother and because they're believers, we ought to give them even more work than we would for an unbelieving boss. We wouldn't want to take advantage of them, would we? Don't take advantage of them. We need to go all out for them. I'm, I'm not in this for me. I'm not working on my behalf. I'm working on behalf of this brother that I love. That's what he's saying here. We ought to, to go even further. And it adds here, here's why. Because they are, and it's a description of the boss. The boss we're serving. The boss that is a, you know what it says here, the partakers of the benefit? That our bosses are partakers of the benefit of our labor. You ever look at your boss that way? He's partaking of the benefit of the work that I give him. And I'm partaking of his payment in return. And what I give him, he gives back to me. He's a partaker of my benefits. Of what I'm doing. And and if, if it's a brother, I want to give the best that I can. So that I can benefit him as best that I can. So he says, and you do that because they're faithful. This is the same word that's used up at the beginning of verse 2. Believing. Now we're to serve them because they're believing. That they believe in the same Christ I believe in. That their faith is, is in him. So they're not only believing, but they're beloved. They're loved by God. That's what that term means. I love that it describes a believer as believing and beloved. That describes anybody who's a believer. Believing and beloved. That we are believing in Christ and beloved by God. Believing in Christ and beloved by God. That may be the best description you can find of somebody who's a follower of Christ. Believing in Christ and beloved by God. And because he's a a believer in Christ and beloved by God, then I ought to love him too. And give him my very best. And serve him All the more. So he says, do them service all the more. Because they are believing and beloved, the partakers of your benefits. Serve them all the more. Give them even even more work if if you got it. I mean, if you're giving everything that you have to an unbelieving boss, you need to, to add more fuel to your tank and give even more to a believing boss. So that's how a Christian... How to be a Christian at work. And that is so different. And I, I'm going to close with this. And we'll get out of here early. I knew, I knew it would be a short sermon tonight. I just couldn't. Uh, if I'd added three, four, and five to this. We'd have been here for an extra 30 minutes to 45 minutes. So I, I said I'm just going to do two verses. But this is how to be a Christian at work. And it is so different. So different than what we see today in our world. We live in a world today. That is. That is constantly demanding rights constantly fighting back workers who are constantly protesting workers who are constantly revolting workers who are constantly threatening to quit workers who are constantly wanting more benefits workers who are working less and wanting more that's today's culture all about what we can get what's given to us And our boss is there to serve me and I'm not there to serve him. Paul could have easily, right here with these two verses, stirred up a protest. Couldn't he have overturned this system? Go on strike. Make work conditions better. I mean, these two verses could have said, let as many slaves who are under the yoke count their masters worthy of no honor at all. They should go on strike. They should do everything they can to get, to get more out of their boss. To, to work and make work conditions better. To get more pay. To have better benefits. They need more days off. They need more higher wages. They need $16 an hour. To do nothing. Paul could have easily said, okay, I'm going to stir this up and make conditions for the slaves better than it's ever been. And Paul was a powerful man. And he could have stirred this up, changed the system, and and maybe done some good. But if he'd done that and stirred up the church to cause controversy in the workplace, it would have blasphemed the name of God and his gospel. Christians aren't called to stir things up. Christians are called just to work peacefully and silently and to give the best work they can give. And in that way, in that way, they make a bigger difference than any other way. God's plan to change the world has never been human or political revolution. When I'm the most concerned about my name, my rights and my justice, I'm the least useful in this world. So instead of Paul stirring up controversy to try to change the way that, 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 that the system worked, Trying to get into the system and, and turn it around and, and fix it and, and fix this do loss and, and despot system and, and get more benefits and more wages and all these better conditions for the workers. Paul didn't do that. Instead, Paul said, just be a worker. Go in and be the best worker that you can be. And if you do that, go in there not to be served, but to serve. Be like Jesus. Came not to serve, but to, not to be served, but to serve. Jesus never started a revolution. Jesus humbled himself and he served. And that's our purpose. Go in, be a Christian, serve. And when you do that, you'll make God and his gospel so beautiful that it'll turn the system around from the inside out. God changes the world not through turning a system upside down, but by turning a person inside out. That's pretty good. We live in a culture today who's always trying to fix a system. You can make this better and that better and make all these little systems better but the real way to change the world isn't by turning the system upside down it's by turning the people inside out. And you do that by making God and His gospel more and more beautiful by how you work in your workplace. You can be a great witness and make a huge difference if you'll just go in and be a Christian. Just go in and be a Christian. You'll make an eternal difference in the hearts of individuals. An eternal difference in in heaven. When I am most concerned about the name of Christ, his gospel, and his glory, then I'm the most useful in the world. Let 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 me say those two things again. When I'm most concerned about my name, my rights, and my justice, I'm the least useful in the world because everything's about me. But when I'm most concerned about Jesus' name, His gospel, and His glory, I'm the most useful in the world because I'm more concerned about Him than I am me. Our focus, even in the workplace, especially in the workplace, ought to be on how I'm serving Christ so that He looks beautiful to my co-workers and my boss. Then I can make a lasting difference in the culture. Just by working. Just by working. I want to read to you... A couple of verses, and I'll close. Colossians 3. Colossians 3, verse 22. I think these are right. Well, let me, let me give you that because it's always, Paul does this. It always goes hand in hand the, the home and the work. Now, I don't know if you guys get that. The home and the work is where you make the most difference. I pray every single day, God, if I can get out of this world and the only people that I reach and that are saved is my wife and my five kids that I've done my job. And then I, I, I widen that circle and say, okay, I, the, the people that I'm around and, and, and the people that I love and, and the people that I, I'm, I, I work with. And, and, and so watch what he says, verse 18, Colossians 3, same stuff. Wives, see, this is in the home. Submit yourselves unto your own husbands as it is fit in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and be not bitter against them. Children, do what your parents tell you. (laughs) That's just as simple as it gets. Obey your parents. What if they don't obey you? What if they don't obey you? Then you spare the rod, you spoil the child. If, if, If children aren't going to obey the parents, they're not going to obey their employers. If they're not going to obey their employers, they're not going to obey the law. We're raising lawless children, and it starts with not obeying the parents. Back to it, children obey your parents in all things, for this is well pleasing unto the Lord. Fathers, provoke not your children to anger, lest they get discouraged. And right into it's the same thing. You need to see how these go hand in hand. The biggest differences we will make is where we spend most of our time at work and at home. Verse twenty-two, servants, slaves, do loss. Obey in all things your despot, your master, according to the flesh, not with eye service as men pleasers, but in singleness of heart, fearing God. And whatsoever you do, do it heartily. Do it everything you got. As to the Lord and not unto men, knowing that the Lord, that of the Lord, you shall receive the reward of the inheritance. And I would underline this if you're with me. For you serve the Lord Christ. That's who you serve. When you go to work, you serve the Lord Christ. What a great verse. Knowing that of the Lord you shall receive the reward of the inheritance. For you serve the Lord Christ. But he that doeth wrong shall receive for the wrong which he hath done. There's no respect of persons. William Perkins said, and I'll close with this. Old Puritan, you guys know that I've got, I'm, I'm on a Puritan kick. <laughs> and the Puritans were known to have what they called a Puritan work ethic. I, Google that. A Puritan work ethic. Nobody worked harder than the Puritans. They knew that if I wasn't a Christian at work, what good a Christian am I? I've said that recently. If I'm not a Christian at home, what good am I? If I'm not a Christian at work, what good am I? If I'm spending most of my time at home and at work, and I'm not acting like a Christian in those two places, I'm making no difference whatsoever. What good is me acting like a Christian on Sunday? The Puritans had their Puritan work ethic. And this William Perkins said, The true end of our lives is to do service to God by doing service for our fellow man. I'm going to say it one more time, and we'll pray. The true end of our lives is to do service to God by serving our fellow man. So who do we serve? same way Jesus did. I think my whole life is, is, is one big act of, should be one big act of service. That I'm humbling myself and I'm serving my wife. I'm humbling myself and I'm serving my children. I'm humbling myself and I'm serving at wherever I work. I'm humbling myself and I'm I'm serving my church. I'm humbling myself and I'm serving uh, my my friends. My whole life, our whole life should be humbling ourselves to be a do-loss. To serve. That's the life Jesus lived. That's the life we ought to live. Knowing that we will serve here. Oh, but we'll be in a kingdom there. So serve now, and we'll rejoice later. So when you go to work tomorrow, whether it's an unbelieving boss or a believing boss, I pray that every single one of you will work like a Christian. Because that's what God's called us to do. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for your word. Again, how it applies and how it's very, very practical for us. And I, I pray, God, that you would help us, and, and, and I work here, and I pray that I would be the worker that I need to be here, that I would work as unto you every day in this church um, with You knowing your eyes on me, that I may not have eyes on me every day as I come into my office, and as I pray, and as I study, and as I work, and as I serve around this church, and make calls, and go to hospitals, and uh, it, it's, it could be easy for me just to, to be lazy. But I pray, God, that I would always know that your eye is on me and I need to work as unto you and not unto man. And I pray for the people that are in this room, wherever it is they work, God, that you would help them to be Christians in their workplace. Or if they go to school, let them be Christians at school. Wherever they go, whatever they do, God, I pray that they'd be a Christian there so they can adorn you and your gospel in a beautiful way. In the, People can be attracted to it and ask questions, and people can be saved because of the way they work. I pray for those, and maybe maybe some of us don't work, but I've mentioned the home here. If we can't be a Christian at home, God, where can we? What does our Christianity matter? So help us, God, please, to be Christians at home with our spouses, with our kids, with our grandkids. And God, I pray that in those two places, that this church, these people can make a huge difference in this area and upon our culture just by being a Christian at work and at home. I pray that would be the greatest act of evangelism that we could ever have here in those two places. Let us reach our homes and let us reach our workplace. Help us to do that, God. Help us to be Christians everywhere we go. And we ask and we pray these things in Jesus' name, amen.